Well, welcome to the very beginning of a brand new series we're calling The God I Never Knew, How the Holy Spirit Can Change Your Life. If you got some notes, why don't you wave them at me just so I can see that you got them. Great. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can also get the digital notes. Um, go to the events page on that app and you can download the digital notes as well. But we are kicking off this in week one today. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Next weekend, Pastor Bubba will be here. Um, he hasn't been here in six weeks. I talked to him this morning. He said, hey, tell the Jennings campus to get ready. Buckle your seatbelts. He's going to be here next weekend bringing part two. And then part three, Pastor Willem all the way from South Africa is flying over um, to be with us for part three. And then I'll wrap it up in part four with, uh, with uh, the closing of this series. Hey, first off, how many of you enjoyed Mother's Day last weekend? Pictures. How many of you love Miss Tracy's message? How, how many of you were checking off things that she was saying and going, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Okay, all right. Was I the only one? Anybody else? Okay, so it was great. Um, such an awesome word. And we're so excited for all that God's doing in this season. This week I was talking with Pastor Bubba and he was asking me, hey, what, what message are you doing this weekend? And I told him, I said, man, I really think our church needs to do, we need to do a Holy Spirit series and just talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We just got done with emotionals, dealing with all of our emotions that just came out of Easter, um, talking about how much God so loves us. And I think we're just in a season now where we just need to get the power of God in our lives and experience what he can do through us. And he says, I was thinking the same thing. So I said, good, I'm glad we're on the same page. So he'll bring part two next week and he's fired up for that. You know, when I say Holy Spirit, when I said we were doing a series on the Holy Spirit, whether maybe you saw it on Facebook and saw that we were doing this, there was multiple reactions that people have. Some of you were really excited, really excited that we were going to be doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Some of you, not so much. Um, depending on what your background was and what it's like depends probably on how your emotions are when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But I want to start off today with kind of a, a verse to get us kicked started, and it's in the book of Acts, if you want to look in your notes, Acts chapter 19. Um, the, the, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the very beginning of the New Testament, and that is the life of Jesus. And if you go and fast forward into the book of Acts, the next book is the book of Acts, which is really the start of the church. The very beginning of the church started in Acts 1, 2, and 3. Jesus told his disciples, hey, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, Acts 2. You experience the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 3 and 4, the church is birthed. Incredible things are happening because of what the Holy Spirit is doing through the church. But I want to fast forward 19 chapters, almost all the way to the end of the book. And I want us to look at something because the Holy Spirit's been moving in a powerful way. But something very strange is happening. This is years and years after the Pentecost, and it's Acts 19.1. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. So he finds some people that love Jesus. They love Jesus, going to heaven, doing incredible things. And he asks them this one question, though. Watch. He says, did you receive, what's this? Everybody say it. The Holy Spirit when you believed. And they answered what? No, we, and, and then they said this, we haven't even heard who, the Holy, who? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. They said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so here we are, God's doing incredible things through the church by this Holy Spirit. And yet these people who have experienced God in a powerful way have actually never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And I honestly think that can probably be said of most churches today. Holy who? Who are we talking about? 
I think there are a lot of Christians that love God, love Jesus, are going to heaven, but they have no idea of who the Holy Spirit is. It is the third part of the Trinity, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know God the Father. We understand that. We have a Father. We understand God is like a Father. Jesus, we understand. Jesus, you know, we, we read about him all throughout Scripture. He's the one that died on the cross. We sing songs about how awesome he is. And then we get to the Holy Spirit, and he's like the redheaded stepchild. Like, who's this? Who's that? The Holy who? And people have different misconceptions. Now, I think there's kind of three emotions that happen when we start talking about the Holy Spirit with people that are in this room. Let me give you the first one. The first emotion that people have is crazy. Yeah, those are all the people that just laugh because they know what I'm talking about, okay? These are the people that, that when you hear the word Holy Spirit, you immediately think of like people running around the room. You think of people like trying to catch the Holy Spirit. You, 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 got, you got people that are like pushing people down and all this language stuff and slang cloths and all this crazy stuff that's going on. You're like, what in the world is going on? Anybody remember slang cloths back in the day? Anybody? Okay, those are all, you got to be charismatic to understand that. All right. These are the people that when you hear we talking about the Holy Spirit, you're thinking, okay, oh, great. All right, now our Savior's Church is going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Like, can I not wear makeup? Or, or am I going to have to wear a lot of makeup now? What's going on? Anybody watch, watch Christian television? A lot of makeup. Anyways, okay. So, a lot of makeup and big hair and multiple colors. And so, uh, so that's, that's a lot of how people think. The second emotion, though, is, is cautious. So, what you think is, maybe this can be based off of what your upbringing was. So depending on maybe what kind of denomination or religion you were raised in, you might have been raised in a religion where they said the Holy Spirit is dead. The Holy Spirit is not active anymore. The Holy Spirit was during the Bible times, and now it's not. And you hear people say like, hey, if you hear any people talking about that, Holy Ghost, stay away from those people. Okay, and so it can be based off of misconceptions and things that you've heard from people. It could be things you've seen on TV. It's just really cautious when you hear or see any of that. And then the last one is this, confused. And I think most people are this one. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, they just don't know exactly what to believe. What is right, what's not right, is this the right thing, is that the right thing? And so many people are just confused. So here's my prayer. My prayer today and for the next four weeks is that we're going to go through what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and see what he says about this. And I'm asking you, this is what I'm asking for you. Two things I'm asking for you, okay? I am asking for you to just come with a blank page, all right? All, all I need is a blank page from you. And let's go to the scripture and let's let God and his word teach us about the Holy Spirit. So don't come with your preconceived notions and don't come with all your fears and hangups and past experiences. Let's put all that to the side and let's just come with a blank page and say, God, if this is someone that is a part of the Godhead and seems to be a very important part, I wanna know who he is and so help me. So let's come with a blank page and here's the second thing I'm gonna ask you, okay? Second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is for you to commit to come for the next four weeks. If you can, now I know jobs and vacations, different things that happen, but if you can make it, I want you to come every week for the next four weeks. Give us four weeks to explain this. And I'm going to tell you right now, I honestly believe this series will be the most powerful in your life to help bring lasting change. If you need change, if you need something to just kickstart your life, I'm going to tell you, I think this one is going to be it. 
Now, for those that don't know, I grew up in Houston, Texas. I am a Texas boy that turned Cajun, okay? I got Cajun heritage. My grandparents are Cajun. I, I have Landry's on my mom's side. They're, they were Landry's. And, and so my dad is Hispanic, so I like fajitas and, and crawfish. I like both of them, all right? And together. And so that's in heaven. And so I, I, I was raised in Houston, and one of the, the things that we loved doing in Houston, and if you were raised in Houston in the 80s like I was, was going to Astroworld. Come on, do I got any Astroworld people in the house? All those people are over the age of 35. Okay. Can we actually, by the way, have a moment of silence for Astroworld? Okay, time's up. So, come on, how many of you know that was the best place ever? That was the best place ever. All right. I mean, come on, you, you, where else can you ride a ride like Grease Lightning? <laughs> Ultra Twister. Come on now. The Sky Drop. The, the, what, whatever that was. What, what, what was it? Sky, sky what? Sky Screamer? Oh, awesome. Hey, everybody loves their, their heart in their throat, right? I mean, come on now. I mean, just Excalibur. I mean, where do you get these awesome names? I mean, these are just amazing. Viper. I mean, come on now. These are just amazing. All right. So everybody that was born in the 90s, you have no idea what we're talking about. But you, I'm sorry for you. You missed out on so much. All right. And, and yet I loved it. We, we had season passes. And, uh, and so I, I, I loved it. But it, it didn't start that way, actually. Um, my first, actually, roller coaster experience was when I was three, four, around that age, um, there was a, a city fair that it came to our, our, uh, our city that, that I was living in, just a little, kind of like we have here at the Jennings Fair that comes in. And they had carnival rides and all these different things. And they had like a little roller coaster. It, it was, you could not even call it a roller coaster, but it was like, it was like on a track and it went in a circle and it just went like this, woo, <laughs> just, that's all it did. And so my, my parents put me on it. I was by myself, and they got the video camera. And how many know it was like the video camera? They got the video camera out because it wasn't small. It was a video camera. It's so like they were shooting the news. And, um, and they were, how many remember, how many of y'all have one of those with a VHS tape? That goes, okay, we're going way back here, all right? So I just lost half the crowd on that one, all right? VHS tape, what are you talking You had to put it, if, if you get it blockbuster, you had to rewind. Okay, anyway, so... So anyways, had the, so they have the camera, and this is no, I wish I could find this tape. I haven't been able to find it, but we used to play it all the time, and they, they put me in it and strap all the kids in, and so the little attendant, you know, hits the button, and it starts going, and it's going around, and you see me, kind of, you see my little head bobbing, you know, all the way around, and when I come back around, you, the camera zooms on me, I'm going, ah! I'm crying. <laughs> on a ride that's probably going four miles an hour, maybe. With no hills, no dips, no turns, no loop-de-loops, nothing. I mean, just like, yeah. And can I say from that experience right there, for the next 10 plus years, I never got on a roller coaster. <laughs> never. I would not get on one. And so my dad thought that, you know, by the time I was 14, 15, 16, he, he thought it was time, okay, it's time for you to face your fears. So we go to Astro World. For us to, to ride the biggest, now what was the big, I forgot what it was, the big wooden one, the cyclone. That's the one that I need to face my fears on, the cyclone. Now it was one of the biggest wooden roller coasters and my dad felt like it was time for me to face my fears. So of course, you sit in a 115 degree weather in Houston for two hours in a line 
And, and all, the, all the meanwhile, my dad's just building up. Oh, come on, champ, you got this. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love this. And, and, and so the whole time I'm thinking, I don't want to be on this thing. I'm going to die. It's not going to be good. It's going to be a funeral. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And so sure enough, they, he gets me on the ride. And you know, you know the most heart-pounding part is that y'all know that, right? Huh? Every time I do it, your heart's beating even three times faster within each one of those ticks. And then when you don't hear the ticks anymore, it's bad. It's about to go down. And sure enough, I go down and go on this huge old roller coaster. I get off. My mom's at the end waiting for me. And she's waiting for me to get off and just be, you know, bawling. And I get off and I'm like, that was the best. It's awesome. And so sure enough, I'm like, let's do it again. And we go turn around and sit in another two-hour line to go on a, on a 35-second ride. And it was just an incredible experience. And from that moment, I was an adrenaline junkie with every roller coaster. Ended up moving to Dallas, got season passes to Six Flags in Dallas, and then just became an enthusiast of roller coasters. I love roller coasters. But for a 10-year span of my life, I did not because of a fear and a misconception of roller coasters. And I wonder oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, how many things we're missing out on in our lives because of a preconceived misconception. You think that it's this way. It's really not, but you think it is. And so you never experience it because of that misconception. And then when you finally get over the fear and you finally go all in, you realize, man, I was missing out on so much. Anybody in here? Maybe I have that like with your kids with food. They go, ah, I hate that, I hate that. And then they eat it like, mm, that's pretty good. Any of y'all have that? Yeah, I have kids, it's the same thing. There's so many areas of our lives though where we have these fears and preconceived misconceptions of what we think it's gonna be like. And because of those things, whether they were taught to us or maybe we had one bad experience, we just continually push it out of our lives. And I think so many people have done that with the Holy Spirit either because they don't understand it or maybe had a bad experience with it, they've totally pushed it out of their lives. And here's the bad part of it. They pushed all of what God wants to do in their life out. So they begin to live on their own, try to do things on their own. And so I'm here just to tell you, if anything, I just want you to hear me. I want to breathe fresh breath. That's the title of today's message, a breath of fresh air. I want to breathe some fresh air back into your soul and into your spirit when it comes to the area of the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 6 verse 63, let's get into this. This is Jesus' words. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are what? Come on, say it out loud. They're spirit and they are life. Now this word spirit is the Greek word. So the New Testament was written in the Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. You'll see this word spirit all throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, over 800 times. This is just one of them. But this word spirit right here in the Greek is pneuma. If you want to write that down, pneuma. Not, it's, it's with a P, by the way. Can we put that up? Pneuma. It's not, it's not panuma. It's pneuma, all right? Pneuma, and, it, and it's, it means this, a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. So Jesus says, my words, they are spirit and they give life. My breath, my, my blast of breath, my strong breeze, my current of air gives life, breathes breath into you. So today, here's my prayer. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would breathe just fresh breath 
into you, that you would see the Holy Spirit maybe in a totally different way, not as some weird, kooky, weird thing, but that you would <sighs> breathe again. So I want us to look at this idea of, of the Holy Spirit being like a breath, being like a breeze. And so the, the greatest kind of imagery that you can give to that is the wind. The wind is probably the greatest imagery of, of what you can see. And so I pray actually today when you leave, every time you see the wind, or you don't see it, but you feel it and experience it, you think of the Holy Spirit. So let me give you some things about the wind. Let's talk about the characteristics of the wind and how it kind of correlates with the Holy Spirit. First off is that the wind is unseen. You don't see the wind, of course. It's, it's unseen. But you do step outside, and when you do step outside, you might not see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind, and you feel the wind, right? You feel it. Come on, how many you stepped outside your door today, and you got hit with a wind that was not good? It was hot. Anybody got some of that? It's like, whew, like, oh my, I just started sweating as soon as I stepped out the door. It just hits you like a heat wave, all right? And the wind is unseen and it will hit you and you will feel this experience. And can I tell you, more than anything, I believe the Holy Spirit is so much like this. The Holy Spirit is not seen. You'll never see the Holy Spirit, but you can totally experience the Holy Spirit. And our prayer is every weekend, every weekend that you come in, that we want you to know God. One of the ways that we help you know God, of course, is in our Sunday services. And, and we, we do so much behind the scenes to prepare for you. I, when I drove up this morning, there were 30, 40 cars already here of Dream Team people that were here praying, getting ready, preparing for you. Can we give it up for all of our Dream Team, by the way? It's awesome. Worship team. They'll be here after you leave. They're here before you get here. They, they, they prepare for you, pray for you, praying over these seats, praying over our service. Why? Because they want you to experience God. We're not here just to have a church service and sing a couple songs and listen to somebody talk and then go out and keep doing the same thing. Come on, we're here to experience God. And I love it because, uh, you know, a lot, I get a chance to really connect with a lot of people that are new here at the church. And so they'll, they'll message me on Facebook on Sunday nights. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a message on Sunday nights from somebody. Or maybe they walk outside the doors and I'm out there and they're greeting me. And so I'll ask, man, how was it? You know, and, and it's funny because a lot of them will be like, I don't know what just happened in there, but I really like it. I don't know what that was. And you know what it was? It's the Holy Spirit. Come on, how many of you came for the first time? You don't have to show, raise your hand, but how many of you came here and you're like, I don't know what it is, but there's something just different about this church and I don't know what it is, but I just want some more of it. Anybody? And you know, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Our prayer, listen, our prayer is not that you would come and just be wooed with a bunch of people doing worship and, and playing drums and stuff, or that you would just be impressed with such phenomenal preaching that you get weekend from Miss Tracy all the time. You know, we, we want you, listen, we want you to experience God. I want you to know God. I want you to walk out of here feeling like, man, I just met with God. And then I want to help you have that encounter every day. Because, hey, by the way, you come in here, I think, for kind of get some fresh wind in your, in your sails. But what would it be like if I could tell you you could have that every day? Come on, how many of you say, give me some of that every day? Okay, so listen, so we're going to help you. 
That's because I, I don't. I don't think God only shows up here on Sundays and then He's like, "See y'all next Sunday." You know, like it doesn't. He, he He goes with you, and He's with you, and so the Holy Spirit in the wind is unseen. Um, let, let's look at this verse, John chapter sixteen or fourteen. So John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is the last supper, the last meal that Jesus had with his 12 disciples. Those three chapters is the conversation at that meal. If you ever want to look at the conversation that Jesus had with his, his guys, here it is. And the majority of that conversation was actually about the Holy Spirit. And so this is what Jesus would tell him. If you look in other verses in John chapter 14, Jesus says, hey guys, I'm going to be going away, and it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to give you a helper. And they're thinking, wait, that advantage like, it's going to be better for us to have the Holy Spirit than you? Like, can he do the walk on water thing? Can he do, like, healing people thing? Like, can he, can he do, like, the water wine thing? Like, can he do those things? And they're, they're having a hard time thinking that somebody could come that would be better than Jesus. And yet Jesus tells them this. He says, no, listen, guys, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper. And this is what he's going to do. He's going to help you, and he's going to be with you. And we're going to talk a lot more about this in the weeks to come. But he's going to help you and be with you forever. And the spirit, he is the spirit of truth. Now watch this in verse 17. And he says, and the world cannot accept him because it neither what? It neither sees him or knows him. So it doesn't, it doesn't see him, it doesn't know him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. So listen, a, a lot of people in the, in the world, they, they don't get this. They, it, they have a hard time understanding who the Holy Spirit, the Holy what? What are you talking about? How many know sometimes people just got to come and they got to experience it? That's why we tell people all the time, man, the greatest way for, for, I think, for you to really win your family to the Lord is, one, to, to walk as Jesus has called you to walk and live the way he's called you to live, and then just get them to church. If you just get them to church, we'll do everything we can in our power for them to experience God. And, and how many of you have brought somebody to church and you left and they were like, what was that? And you're like, I know, I told you. <laughs> Anybody in here? Yeah. They, they, they can't see it. They don't know him. They don't understand it. But when they feel it, they're like, okay, this is the real deal. Something's going on. So the wind is unseen. Number two is the wind is unpredictable. You ever been to the airport and you look out and, and they got, got a big old pole and then on the pole is this orange flag? Y'all seen that? It's flopping all in the wind. What is it doing? Those guys are looking at that orange flag to determine what? Which way the wind's blowing. And the reason they do that is because it determines how they're going to fly the planes in based off of how the wind is pointed and how strong it is and where it's going. But that thing will be east and then north and then west and it can go all over the place. And the same also is not only just true with the wind, but it's also true with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so unpredictable. Actually, Scripture tells us this. Watch this. It says this in John 3, 8. Jesus answered, the wind blows what? Wherever it pleases. So the wind blows wherever it pleases, and, and you hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So see, that wasn't Cotton Eye Joe that put that line in. That was scripture. Where did it come from? Where did it? Okay, anyway. So. Y'all. <laughs> listen, this is how I read the Bible, okay? I, I mean, y'all got to follow me. How many of y'all saw my Avengers post this week? Okay, that's just how I read the Bible, okay? I, Got to put the humor in it. Okay, so he says, they can't tell where it comes from and they can't tell where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The wind blows wherever it wants to go, wherever it wants to blow. And I'm going to tell you, some people, the hardest thing that they have in wrapping their mind around God is that God is so unpredictable. He is not predictable. 
He does not do the same thing in the same way every time. Moses was the only guy who ever got God speaking to him through a bush. Nobody else. And Moses could have been like, hey, did, did anybody speak to you through a bush? No. Well, then it wasn't God. <laughs> only God speaks through bushes. All right. So, can you imagine everybody after that is going and hanging out around the bush? Like, come on, God. Fire. <laughs> come on. I'm going to take my shoes off. Okay, so. It didn't happen. It only happened once. There's one time where a, a, a guy brought his friend to Jesus, and he had watched Jesus heal blind people. He had seen Jesus put his hands on blind people, and they, they, were, they, they would get healed. And so, of course, he wants his friend. His friend's blind, and he's like, i got to bring you to Jesus. Man, you got to watch this. He'll put your hands on you. You're going you're to see. So he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, hey, here's my friend. Do the hand thing. What? The hand thing. You know, do the hand thing on him. Like, and Jesus says, mm. and he goes, you know what? Give me some dirt. And he gets some dirt and he goes, I you know that guy was like, what? <laughs> Bro, you didn't tell me anything about spit and stuff. You just said the hand thing. I didn't know. And Jesus goes and grabs the mud and sticks it on the guy's face and his sight is restored. But how many you know he only did that once? I'm you glad we don't do that one again. <laughs> come here. Come here. Oh, you got a cold? <coughs> come here. Let me see. All right. Like, we don't do that one again. Thank God that one's out the door, okay? That was one time. There's some things that, that God only did once. Here's the question. Why doesn't God do a mud-spitting ministry and just do it always that way? You know why? Because you would love the system more than loving God. You would think that God's got to do it this way and this way and this way and this way. And he always does it this way. And when he doesn't do it that way, you'd be like, what's going on? So we want to follow a system, but we don't want to follow God. But God is so unpredictable. Let me prove it to you. How many of you in here got saved? Coming to a, you came to a church, heard the gospel, God quickened your heart, and you got saved inside of a church. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's you. All right. Look, just couple of you. All right, put your hand down. How many of you gave your hearts to the Lord outside of church? Was not in a church? Maybe somebody shared with you, but it was outside of church. Somewhere else wasn't. Raise your hand. Is that you? Wow. See? God does things so differently. Does it in so many different ways. And I'm going to tell you, if your God can only fit in your brain, that is a small God. I don't want to worship that one. I actually want to worship a God that I can't truly comprehend and know. He needs to be a little bit bigger than me. Number three, so wind is unseen, wind is unpredictable, wind is powerful. Come on, how many know wind? It can sail a ship, it can generate electricity, it can destroy a city. Come on, we've seen that happen. This is what wind can do. It is extremely powerful. And Jesus told the disciples that they would receive power Actually, Acts chapter 1, let me show it to you. Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells them, hey guys, listen, I'm putting you on a mission. You're going to go change the world. Before you do, <laughs> I got one prerequisite though. You better make sure that you receive the power that I have for you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen to me, the reason why Jesus was able to walk on water, heal blind people, raise people from the dead was not because he was God. The Bible says, and Ms. Tracy actually shared that this past weekend in Philippians 2, that he stripped himself of all of his godness, and he became a man in the form of a man. And you know what he did? 
He went and got baptized. If you go look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when he was baptized, the Bible says when he came up out of the water, when John the Baptist baptized him, the Holy Spirit came down on him, and the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And from that moment on, he went into the wilderness for 40 days, and then he went and started his ministry. The reason why Jesus could cast out demons was because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why Jesus could heal people was because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why Jesus could raise people from the dead was because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why Jesus could not sin and overpower sin was because of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The same spirit that lives in him lives in you. So, yeah, that's a good part of the So, we, we think that God was able to do all this stuff because he's God. No, he did all that stuff because he relied on the Holy Spirit, because he wanted to give you and me an example of what we could do if we too tapped into that same power. And you have the ability to tap into that power. The sad thing is, most Christians nowadays look like non Christians, struggle with the same struggle go through the same cycle, got the same bad marriages, got the same bad emotions and attitude, just like the person next to them that didn't go to church that weekend. What's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? The only difference should be that one has the Spirit of God that lives in them and develops in them the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We'll get into that more in the weeks to come. But here's the question that I have. How much of your life looks different than a non-Christian? It should look way different. Your life should be marked by power. I don't know what it is about that guy, or I don't know what it is about that girl, but there's something so different about them. You know what it is? It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is powerful. And many of us are walking through things that human power can't fix. And you're trying to fix it with your own power. And it's not working. And you're wondering why you're getting so frustrated. Because you're trying to do something that cannot go without power. That would be like you going out there in the driveway, I mean, outside in the parking lot, get in your car, and then tell all the kids, all right, kids, get in the back, push. <laughs> Say what? Push. We got to get home, baby. I got to cook. Get to pushing. And they would look at you and go, why don't you just start the car? Go, no, no, it's a lot better. Why don't you just push? You would look at that and go, they're pretty foolish. And yet most Christians will live life that way without the power of the Holy Spirit. They're pushing their car from one place to the next, not realizing just get in and turn on the key. And so, Thank you. It was good. This is how it is. We need the power of God. Yesterday, my, one of my boys, I won't reveal which one it is, he just happens to be my youngest, was, um, <laughs> was, was, on the, was on the borderline of tears. I mean, just, <laughs> like, what's going on? Lindsay and I are both there in the living room. He's crying. I'm thinking, like, somebody hurt him. What's going on? And he says, my iPad is almost dead. <laughs> like, first world problems right here. Okay. It's at 1%. I mean, no, when you get that red battery, that'll make a grown person cry too. <laughs> I've seen people in the airports running <laughs> with their plug, like looking for something. I'm not juice. All right. Like I've seen it. Okay. So why? Because you, 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 we want to be, stay connected. We, want, we need the juice. We need the power. And it's, it is crazy how many people in life as Christians are running on no juice. No power. Man, how crazy. Heaven forbid that we would be a people that disconnect from the source of power. 
Your source of power comes from the Holy Spirit. But if you don't know him, and if you push him away, you'll never experience the power that he has for you. But he has power. Number three, or number four, actually. Wind is refreshing. Come on, how many know after a very hot Louisiana summer, your car's been in the, been in the heat, maybe you've been working all day, and you get in that car, what's the first thing that you do? Crank the AC and roll those windows down, right? You're trying to get as much wind in, as much outside wind in, and come on, you, you're driving down that road, and it's just like, ah, oh, much better. It's very refreshing. Holy Spirit is very much like that. It's extremely refreshing. Charles Finney was a 19th century attorney and preacher. He was a um, Presbyterian preacher. He was very smart, very smart, very intellectual. His connection with God was very intellectual. Um, he, he, he knew a lot about God. And there's a lot of people I find that are very much like that, know a lot about God. The problem was he, he had no really way of framing up the Holy Spirit. So he kind of pushed the Holy Spirit kind of out of his life. Here's the problem, though, is that when you kind of push the Holy Spirit out of your life, sometimes he's still a bulldog and he still wants to come in and show you how much he loves you, how much he's there for you. And the Holy Spirit had a real encounter with him. And he actually wrote about it. And this is what he, what he said in the book that he wrote. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Now watch this. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very, what? Breath of God. God. Very breath of God. Listen, some of you today, it is mission critical for your marriage for your family, for your life, for your job, for your emotions, to get some of the breath of God. Today, I believe God is blowing on some sails. And some of you are in a place where it's just been like nothing. And today, I, my, my prayer more than anything is that that would happen for you and I want to show you this verse, and here's, here's, here's what I want, to, I want to show you what the Holy Spirit is doing. Watch, Ephesians 4. It says, don't grieve God and don't break his heart. Don't break his Holy Spirit. Because he's, what is he doing? He's moving and breathing. Breathing what, though? In, no, in you. This is what he's doing. He is moving and he is breathing in you. Yes, it is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take a gift for granted. If I told you right now that I could give you something, it will radically change your life. You will overcome every addiction, and you can live victoriously, and God can bless your marriage. You want it? Well, I know. Some people are like, "Mm, what's the catch? That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. God gives them to us. As a gift to us, we have to receive what he has for us. And I believe God has brought some of you here to church so you can breathe again. Get some breath. So here's the question. How? How do we breathe again? All right. Thank you for asking such great questions. Number one is this. Let go of all of your fears and misperceptions. 
Hey, listen, we all have fears and misperceptions. I had fears and misperceptions. I grew up in churches that were extremely charismatic, extremely very high on the Holy Spirit, and it was always an encounter, and it was people were running around, and I've, I've been in that run, realm, and I've been on the other side where it's like nobody talks about the Holy Spirit, nobody even does anything, we're going to just read our Bible and stick to this, and I've been in all extremes, and so I've, I've seen all fears, and I've seen all misperceptions. I've, I've had them myself, as probably you have. But I, my prayer is that we would just go into God's word and we'd let God's word by God's spirit speak to us. And here's what you're going to find out. Let me just tell you what you're going to find out. Two things you're going to find out when you read the word about the spirit and you find out more about the Holy Spirit. One, Holy Spirit is not spooky. Okay, this ain't Casper, all right? It's not spooky. Second thing, he's not weird. Listen to me. If you've been in any churches that were spooky and weird, that, that was not God. He's not spooky and he's not weird. He does things in order. He does things unpredictably, but he does things so they can increase power in your life. And I'm going to tell you, it's, that's the way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Actually, watch this. Proverbs 3, um, verse 5 says this, trust God. So that's what we're going to do there in this series. We're just going to trust God from the bottom of our heart. Now, this is what we're not going to do. Don't try to what? Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Let's, let's just trust God and let's go to God's word and let's get, let God's word teach us to do. See, this is what happens. We go into God's word and we tell God's word what do we want it to say. Today I'm telling you, let's not, let's not treat God's word like a buffet line. All right? Let's not, let's not do the, the golden corral like, mm, I like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm, don't like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll take that. And that, listen, most people treat the word of God like that. I like what it says about that. I'll take the blessing. Mm-hmm. Dying to self, nope, I'm good on that one. I'm bad appetite. Okay, I'll take yes. I'll take a little bit of that. And that's how people treat the word of God. But how many, listen, you take the whole thing when you get the word of God. It's either all or nothing. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, let's go all in. Let's find out what he has, which actually is number two. Go all in. So, we're going to kind of give up all of our fears and misperceptions. We're going to let those go, but we're also going to go all in. You'll never find God's best by going in halfway. Never. You'll never find going in. Imagine, I, it was so awesome. Yesterday, I did a 50-year anniversary wedding vow renewal for Junior and Mary. Are they here? Are Junior and Mary here? Okay, no, they were in the first service. Yeah, they were in the first service. It was so awesome. 50 years. Come on, how awesome is that? 50 years to do that. Now, I want you to imagine if, if, if we were sitting up here and I was doing those vows and, you know, to death do us part and forsaking all others and, you know, do, do it to him and, you know, will you take him? And he's like, yes, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> and then I come to her and she's like, only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. How many know everybody's grabbing their wedding gift and jetting out the door? <laughs> right? No. It's all in. It's every day for 50 years. Every day, good or bad, it's all in. You wouldn't do a wedding where they were half in. So why do we treat God like he only gets to get half in? Why do we come to God and go, God, you got Sundays from 1045 to 1215. And then after that, I'm on my own. I got, I got it from here. And God, I'll see you next Sunday. Oh. Listen, God didn't give his life for you. He didn't give every, listen, how many of you glad God didn't go in halfway? He went in all the way, gave his, all of his life, and he's asking you, if you want all of me, I got to have all of you. All right? And so this is, 
I know, this is just a little soapbox of mine because I don't even understand it. I don't even understand how you just come to church one time a month and think that you're going to have all of God with one time a month. I don't understand it. Now, if your work requires that, I understand those things, but there's some people that they only show up once every quarter, and then they expect, like, they, they come and ask God to do all this for them, and God's going, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. You got to go all in. So I, I say this every couple of months. This is the challenge that I give to our church. Give us one year. One year. Go all in. Go, to, go through next step. Get plugged into a life group. Join a dream team. Just, just get all in. Get in every one of those things and give us one year. Just do it all for one year. That's all I'm asking for one year. Go all in for one year. At the end of one year, come sit down and talk with me. If, you di- if your life did not change and you're worse than you started, me and you will go find another church. We'll all go. But I'm going to tell you, that ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. How many in here are thankful when you made the decision just to go all in? Come on, how many of your marriage is different, your family's different? I'm going to tell you right now. Come on, that's incredible. And listen, I know there's fears. Listen, if you're new here, you're like, he wants me to go all in. I just showed up. What the heck's going on? Okay, if you're new here, listen, by all means, come check us out. Maybe we're not your flavor. That's totally fine. We want you to be in a church somewhere where you can get plugged in because church is not a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. We just want you to be in a family. So come check us out for a couple months. But once you get settled in, you're like, okay, this is where I am. Go all in. Go all in. You are shortchanging yourself, your marriage, and your family if you go halfway. I'm just telling you. Don't be surprised if you're continually having the issues that you're having if you go halfway. You got to go all in. Give it all that you got. This is actually what Jeremiah says. The Bible tells us this. It says, you will seek me and you will find me. Everybody likes that. Let's put a period there. No. It says, when. So it's conditional. When you seek me, what? When you go all in. When you go all in, you find God. When you go halfway, you're not finding him. See, we get this in every other area of our life, though. If you want to tone up and get strong, you go every day to the gym, sometimes twice a day. If you want to lose weight, you push away from the plate, you start eating healthy, and you do that. Like, you don't just do that on Mondays. And then, like, I'm going to eat whatever I want Tuesday. No, you go all in. I'm just asking you to do the same thing for Jesus. Go all in. Go all in. You still love me? Everybody all right? We all right? We okay? It, even if you don't, I don't care. But it's, uh, I love you. I, but I love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Okay, so number three, develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. So how are we going to do this? We're going, we're, going, we're going to give up all of our fears and misconceptions. We're going to just kind of put all those to the side. We're going to let God deal with those. We're going to go all in. I'm going to go all in with this thing. Listen, if God wants it for me and it's the best thing for me, I want it. Give it to me. And then I'm going to develop a relationship, an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a beautiful benediction that Paul uses in, to the Corinthians 
A benediction is a, is a closing prayer. And a lot of times at the beginning and the ends of Paul's books, he would kind of pray a prayer. Look at the beginnings of, of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He always kind of has a prayer at the beginning, and then he's got a prayer at the end. And here's, here's his prayer at the end of 2 Corinthians, and this is what he says. He says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the what? Of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. He, he shares with them the Trinity in his prayer. He says, listen, Jesus Christ has some incredible, God the Son, he has incredible grace for you. The Father, oh my God, he loves you so much. And the Holy Spirit, he wants to be your best friend. Not, not some creepy, weird ghost. He wants to be your friend. He wants to breathe breath into you. So let me, let me give you these last three fill-ins and then you'll be done. So God the Father, this is what we learn. He loves me. He loves me. So I, I feel like we have been banging this hammer for the last two months, especially as we got around Easter, was how much God so loves you. Hey, if, he, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Let's put it that way. You'd be on it. He so loves you. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, you, you know when, if, if you're a parent in here, you know when your kids need to know that you love them the most? Guess what? When they mess up. When they mess up. Some of us got to settle this right here first and foremost. You can't experience the Son and you can't experience the Holy Spirit until you understand how much God so loves you. Some of you think God doesn't love you because you've messed up. But can I just tell you, he so loves you when you mess up. And some of you, your relationship with God the Father is so jacked up because your relationship with your earthly father was jacked up. And your earthly father hurt you and he abused you or he's angry to you or he abandoned you. And your thought is when you hear about God the Father, you think if God the Father is anything like my father, I don't want anything to do with him. But I'm here to tell you that God the Father is nothing like your father. He is the best father in the world. He is the one who's always loved you, always stood by your side, and is always there for you. He's never abandoned you, and he never will. This is the father that I serve, and this is the father that loves you. Come on, can I get an amen for this father? Hey, which, by the way, this is the father who teaches us fathers how to be a good father. So you want to know how to be a good father, Dad? How about a good, good father? At a, this is, anyways, that's a worship joke. I'm sorry. I just sailed that over everybody. Okay, so. This is the Father. All right. Number two is, is God the Son saves me. You can always tell the value of something by how much someone is willing to pay for it. So here's the question. How much was God willing to pay for you? His Son. His Son gave his life for you. That's how much value you have. His Son was willing, actually, his son willingly gave his life for you and for me. Come on, how many of you thankful that, that Jesus paid the debt that you and I owed? He paid the debt. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we should have died. He paid the debt that we should have paid. He lived that. And then he raised again. And then the same spirit that is in him is in us, which actually goes to the next one, that the Holy Spirit, look at this, God the Holy Spirit is with me. So the father has a job. His job is just to love. He's like a grandparent. He's just loving, loving, loving. He's a good grandparent. He's a, and then the son's job is to come in and save you. He, and he did his job. 
And now he's back up. Guess what? Now all of it is, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is now what's it. And he is, he is working in you. He's a friend of you. He is encouraging you. And his whole job is to help make you more and more like Jesus, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to challenge you, to provoke you. This is what the Holy Spirit does. In our last times together, I, I, I want you to just hold real still. There is, there is a place on the equator called the doldrums. The northern hemisphere turns kind of one way. It's got the winds that travel one way. And then the southern hemisphere have the winds that travel another way. And there is a part within that equator, there's one little section that's called the doldrums, that there is, they, they balance each other out and there's no wind. And so if you're selling a sailboat or you happen to be driving a boat and, and your boat gets somehow stuck in this area, you ain't getting out like you did. Like there's no wind in this section. It's called the doldrums. Now, I think if we were to honestly kind of evaluate our lives, there are some of you that have walked into this church today and you are in the doldrums. No breath, no life, no wind, and you're at the end. And I'm here to tell you today, you, you walked in here not on accident. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe somebody got you. Or maybe you just showed up. I don't know how you got here. All I know is that God wanted you here because he wants to breathe fresh breath in you again.